I took a canoe late at night out into the middle of the lake and asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I'd been puzzling over it, and here I still didn't know quite what to do. As a young man, Robert Morgan couldn't have imagined the highs and lows he was going to experience, like his wife's battle with a debilitating disease. She lived with that for 30 years. She was very courageous and loved the Lord, and she died last November from complications related to multiple sclerosis. In times like these, it's hard to see, but somehow I have a peace you're near. Robert Morgan is our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. This week, we mark the second anniversary of Billy Graham's passing. And we thought Robert's story would be a great one to share with you since he was directly influenced by both Billy and Ruth Graham. And later in this episode, you'll hear from Billy Graham on a topic he spent decades preaching about, life after death. There's life after death. Paul wrote to the Romans that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, that doesn't mean you won't die. Your body is going to die. But your soul, that's the real you, can live forever with God. You can learn more about that at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. And there's a link to that website in our show notes as well. GPS. God. People. Stories. I was born in East Tennessee, right on the Tennessee-North Carolina border. My parents both loved the Lord, and I grew up with just this wonderful, um, nurturing atmosphere. When Robert Morgan was 12, he heard an evangelist at his church talk about the importance of knowing that Jesus is the Lord of your life. So later that night, Robert prayed to receive Jesus into his heart. But I can't say that I really was ever discipled in how to have a daily walk with the Lord. Nobody had sit down and ever told me about things like full surrender and having a daily quiet time. And I got a little lost during those teenage years. And I went my first year of college to a uh, college not too far from my home, but I was really miserable there. And I remember listening to the hour of decision one day, and um, the message was about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thought, that's what I need. And somebody told me about Columbia International University. At that time, it was Columbia Bible College in South Carolina. I'd never been there. didn't know anything about it, but I just felt very strongly that that's where I needed to be. By the way, the Hour of Decision that Robert mentioned, that was the radio program Billy Graham started in 1950, a program which stayed on the air for more than 60 years. Meanwhile, Robert was accepted to Columbia Bible College, and his very first night on campus in 1971 was a life changer. My roommate, who I'd never met before, he just happened to be assigned the same room, challenged me about fully yielding my life to Christ in a way that I'd never heard before. And so I knelt down and as genuinely as I knew how, gave the Lord all my life, my past, my problems, my future, everything, and, uh, and asked him to give me that fullness of the Spirit that I'd heard about on the Billy Graham Hour of Decision. And that is the moment— more than any other in my whole life, the day that I really 
feel like something changed within me in a way that is indescribable. And it's almost like uh, someone switched on adrenaline, a surge of adrenaline. And, you know, I'm 67 now, and I was 19 back then, but that adrenaline has never been switched off. I'm just as excited about serving the Lord now as I felt on that evening. It's interesting how Robert's early life mirrors the life of Billy Graham. Just like Mr. Graham, Robert made his commitment to Christ through a revival meeting. And just like Mr. Graham, it was in college when Robert surrendered his whole self to God's plans for whatever lay ahead. And get this, not too long after Robert's moment of surrender in his dorm, he met a guy across the hall who actually knew Billy Graham and had been mentored by his wife. Ruth Graham would occasionally invite college students to the Graham home for times of teaching and fellowship while Mr. Graham was holding his outreaches around the world. And so one day he said to me, why don't we go up and spend the weekend with Ruth? And it was a a weekend that they changed my life was spending that time and subsequent times with her. She just delighted in using that opportunity to have students in and to teach them and pour herself into them. And so, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing. People don't know how kind and personal uh, and gracious they were despite the pressures that they were under. What Robert learned from Ruth Graham during those weekends are lessons he says he will never forget. I remember she had a great deal to say about prayer, and she got out her notebook and showed us how she had her quiet time and her devotions, and that's when I began journaling. Ruth Graham's perspective on ministry has stuck with Robert to this day. I said, uh, Ruth, your husband is the most famous preacher in the world. Does that ever get to him? And she said, oh, he sees absolutely no glory to what he does. It is just hard work. He said, only God has the glory. Uh, What he does is hard work. He works to exhaustion. He gets discouraged. Um, We have to go off and take breaks, and he, he replenishes himself. But Uh, The truth is, she said we would be just as happy had we been assigned by God to be missionaries in an obscure field and no one had ever heard our name. All that we are doing is just for the Lord. Robert had the chance to be a part of all the Grahams were doing when he worked as a gopher during some of Billy Graham's crusades or outreaches in the 1970s. I did that during my graduate school days, and and I met Dr. Graham a few times. I just did whatever they needed. A lot of times that involved doing errands and driving people back and forth to the airport and clipping newspapers. And one night I had to drive a man to the airport after the crusade and he had to leave immediately. And so I sat with him on the platform and I thought, wow, this is incredible. And so at the end of that sermon, Dr. Graham finished the invitation and he was walking towards the steps to go down the platform, and I happened to be standing there, and he looked at me and shook my hand, and his hand was trembling, and he had to be helped down the stairs. Now, this was—he wasn't old then, but I'd heard him say how exhausting it was to preach a sermon in a great arena, and that night I saw in his face and his whole demeanor that he was absolutely a drained man— at the end of that sermon. But, you know, there he was the next night again, as good as new. So um, I just loved being a part of that. 
While serving at those crusades, Robert was trying to discern what God had mapped out for his own life. Should he continue helping out with Billy Graham's ministry? Or did God have something totally different planned for him? Well, during his last year of college, Robert had been part of a traveling preaching team. That was something that really appealed to him. And it was also in that environment that Robert met his wife. When I got back from summer vacation, my senior year, she was the coordinator of it, and her name was Katrina. And I was introduced to her. I still remember the time that I met her. And so we worked together all that year. And then I graduated and went on to Wheaton College, but we continued writing to one another. And it was really in those letters that we fell in love with each other. And we were married in 1976. By the time they were married, Robert sensed that God was calling him to be a pastor. So after he and Katrina married, they spent a year trying to find a congregation to lead in Tennessee. Robert eventually became the pastor of a small country church for about two and a half years. Then he and Katrina moved to Nashville to pastor a church there. And that church in Nashville, that's where Robert has been serving for the last 40 years. And for most of that time, he was the senior pastor. We asked Robert what it's like to shepherd a congregation for that long. As a pastor, I've always been optimistic that God was not finished with our work, that, um, that our work for him is not in vain. We don't always see the results. And right now in our society, it's not looking very good. But... God's promise to us that our work in Him is not in vain. We base our morale on the fact that God has promised to be with us and to bless us and to use us. And those promises to me have always been my go-to words whenever I get a little discouraged. And Robert certainly knows about being not just a little discouraged, but very discouraged. You see, his wife Katrina was diagnosed with MS about 10 years after they were married. She lived with that for 30 years. She was very courageous and loved the Lord, and she died last November from infections and complications related to multiple sclerosis. But um, we didn't worry about tomorrow. We did, you know, seek out every treatment that we could, and she was under the excellent care of doctors. But the Lord Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. And we just trusted that he would give us strength from day to day. Still, there were many days when it was a struggle to cope with Katrina's health, and they felt like they needed extra strength, both as a caregiver and a care receiver. So together, they decided to write a book about finding that extra strength through God. This book is called The Strength You Need. Um, Katrina and I were sitting on our front porch one day, and she was in her wheelchair, I was in the rocking chair, and she said, uh, Robert, will you go get me those extra strength tablets in the kitchen? And I said, yes, do you have a headache? And she said, no, I just need extra strength, and I don't know where else to find it. And so I went and got the tablets and looked at them, and sure enough, the main words were extra strength. And so I gave her two, and frankly, I took two myself. I thought, well, we both need extra strength. But we sort of made light of it and laughed about it, but the next morning I got up, and I thought, where do we get the extra strength we need? It's not in medication so much as it's in meditation. And she and I went through the Bible and selected 12 Bible verses about strength. I wrote the chapters, but Katrina wrote the conclusion to every chapter and the conclusion of the book. 
and she gave her perspective uh, from someone disabled in a wheelchair. Robert was kind enough to share a very personal story about the day Katrina died. She passed away on November 11th, and we were all around her bed. Uh, We have three daughters and a bunch of grandchildren. And the moment she passed away, of course, we were stricken. But a few minutes later, the nurse who was with us said she passed away at 11, 11 a.m. And we thought, well, that's interesting. On 11, 11 at 11, 11 a.m. And my son-in-law, Joshua, pulled out his Bible and he said, listen to this. John 11, 11 says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. And that was as though God had just spoken almost audibly to us. John 11, 11 at 11, 11 on 11, 11. And I can't tell you the peace that came from that. So, um, you know, we, we understand that our days are brief and I miss her. We had a very wonderful marriage. Uh, I'm still, you know, learning how to navigate through the grief process. But I feel so happy that we had those 43 years together and that she's in heaven now and and waiting for me and, and not disabled any longer. Now, besides knowing that he will see Katrina again someday, Robert also knows that his calling from God while he's still here on earth has not changed as he enters this new stage of life. I want to continue, if the Lord will allow me to, to study the Bible and to teach it and to write about it and to speak about it. I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. None of us has any guarantee. The Lord knows the length of our days. But as long as as I'm able and He has me here, I would love to continue to serve Him. And I pray that you will use my life in whatever way you're name is glorified Even if surrendering means leaving everything behind Robert Morgan has stayed faithful to the calling of sharing the gospel in a broken world. Even with the death of his wife, Robert knows Jesus is faithful and that God's plans are good. Do you believe that? Would you like to have that kind of hope for the future? You can. It can be yours if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we can tell you more about that at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Billy Graham spent his life telling others about having a relationship with Jesus. And as we are here marking the second anniversary of Mr. Graham's death, we want to encourage you to do the same. You don't have to be the pastor of a church like Robert Morgan. You don't have to be a biblical scholar or a theologian. Wherever God has placed you, you can shine the light of truth at work, with your friends, and in your home. There's more about doing this at the website we just mentioned. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Or you can go to the show notes and check out the link there. You're listening to GPS. God. People. Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. You're going to die. You're born, you live, but you're going to die sometime. Billy Graham, 
There's only one man in history who did not have to die, and that was Jesus Christ. But he chose to die, to die for you in your place on the cross. And they buried him, but he was raised from the dead and he's coming back. He said, there's more. The best is yet to be. For to this end, Christ both died and rose, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. There's life after death. Paul wrote to the Romans that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you're willing to acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior and you believe in your heart and commit yourself to a risen Christ, you can be saved tonight and you can know it. If you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now, you can do so at findpeacewithgod.net. Our guest on this episode of GPS is Robert Morgan. Earlier, he mentioned that he began journaling after seeing that Ruth Graham did so. And apparently he hasn't stopped writing because uh, to date, Robert Morgan has more than 35 books published, including that one with his late wife, Katrina, about what they learned during her battle with MS. Robert's newest book is titled 100 Bible Verses That Made America. It's a biblical tour of American history, and I tell 100 stories from American history in which people or events were molded or shaped or impacted by specific Bible verses. This wave of secularism that we're confronting with now is trying to expunge all Christian references and all biblical references from our culture, but also from our history. But from the very beginning of our history, from colonial times, the Bible has been so interwoven into the leaders and the events of our story in America that trying to take the Bible out of our American history is like trying to jerk the pedestal from out from under the Statue of Liberty. It just cannot be done. And so I want to tell the story of the revivals and the leaders and and the— um, the great moments in American history when God's infallible Word made a critical difference. Well, God's Word not only made a difference in American history, but it has also made a huge difference in Robert Morgan's personal life. A big thank you to Robert for sharing with us on this episode. A thank you to Mercy Me for letting us use some of their music. And of course, thank you for listening. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. Thank you indeed. GPS God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. I'm alive. As long as I'm alive.